Hi, this is Keith Kefchin, and you're listening to Dollars and Drivers, a podcast that allows leaders an outlet to discuss what drives them and their distinct way of succeeding in life and business. Today, we're speaking with Raul Leal, CEO of Virgin Hotels, one of the fastest growing lifestyle brands in the industry. Thanks for having me. Uh, look, I, I've, had, uh, I've had a blessed career in the industry. I really have. I, I really enjoyed every minute of it. I was just talking to uh, some young people at Cornell, and I have a, a bit of a different perspective of it, especially because in the last you know nine years, I've also worked for a company that's not in the hotel business, right? Yeah. So it's a bit of a different perspective. But you know, I came to I really came to terms with why I was in the hotel business quite a while back, and I'll, I'll tell you the the story. I was actually running when I was the president of you know Desires Hotels, the boutique hotel company. I remember one day walking into one of our hotels in New York and uh, seeing one of my favorite room attendants was, you know, crying and this and that. It was one of our hotels that we had uh, near Times Square. And, and I asked her what was wrong. And she said, well, I'd like to show you something. So she showed me a room that was left in just a horrible state. It was, it was horrible. No, no human should be forced to have to clean that up. And, and she looked at me and she said, they just, they just don't really care about us. You know, these people, they just, what we do really isn't important to them. You know, and I started thinking about it. And I obviously, uh, I had a sanitation company actually come in and clean the room. <laughs> I, I did. I, I couldn't stand it. I said, take the rest of the day off. I told the GM and we called in a sanitation company. It kind of broke my heart. But I, start, I started to think it through. It's like 20 years ago now. And I said, you know, what, what we do is really important in the industry. And the more I traveled and the, became, the more I became a, a you know, traveling executive, and I took that approach and started to see how hard our people work throughout. And, you know, we, they take care of us when we get there. They make sure that we're safe, that we're secure, whatever else. And I just, I just really took it about myself to become an evangelist with our teams everywhere to make sure that they knew that their job is really, really important just because you know, nobody sees you cleaning up that room or whatever else. So I think as an industry, uh, sometimes we underestimate the importance that we have in general, just taking care of people like myself that travel over 100,000 miles a year and just want a safe, secure environment. And, and I think that piece of it pushes me still to, to really make the industry better. And it's something that I talk to our teammates about all the time. So I'm still very much passionate about it. Yeah. How did you get on the right path. I mean, there's clearly a million things that you yeah. can do in your life. Uh, why this? Why do you feel this is the right been the right path for you? Well, it was it was early for me. I mean, I, I you know I've told the story many times, but you know I started working with my dad, who was in the restaurant business, and he was a Cuban immigrant. They've lost everything in Cuba, and then he, uh, when I was about 16, I started working with him in the industry and as a busboy and. I just used to, I've always been very curious and observed a lot. And I used to look at the GM come in every day and have breakfast and lunch, sign the bill. And I thought that was a lovely job. So my first motivation was a 16 year old saying, geez, I really want that job, dad. And I'd actually dropped out of school to work. And my dad said, well, said, you know, you probably should go back to college, which I, which I did eventually actually, but he, he postured it in a way that really made me want to go back to school. Right. But I think, I fell in love with the business at a very young age, and uh, I was very lucky. I've really been lucky with mentors throughout my life. I think mentorship for me has been tremendous. 
and I like to pay that back uh, a lot as much as I can today with younger people. But I was lucky along the way. I had some great mentors that, uh, you know, kind of showed me the value of discipline. And, and, you know, and I wasn't very disciplined. I mean, that's really the truth. I was all over the place as a young kid trying to figure out what I was trying to do. But they showed me the value of discipline and working hard. And that I learned from my dad. So uh, I've just been I've, I've been lucky enough to have great mentors in the industry. And I highly recommend that for everybody and, and younger people that if you can find a great mentor to help you, it's the best thing ever. You you work with for however you want to put it, with one of the iconic uh, businessmen in the world and Sir Richard Branson. And yeah. it, what's different about working for a person like that? Good and bad. Well, look, I think it's, it's just as advertised. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Richard model is basically, you know, hire talented people and let them do their job. Right. Uh, so the great thing about Richard is he provides you input and you have thoughtful conversation and then he moves on and, you know, has faith and trust in you. But I think, uh, you know, everything that the organization stands for and all the, 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 the ways that they try to help different people, not only in their own businesses, but outside in the world is just a great example of an organization that really does care, you know, about people and planet. So I think that's the, the best side of it. I don't really... I think, you know, meeting Richard Branson has been a highlight in my life, but I can honestly tell you that uh, if, if you sat down with him for 10 minutes, you've, you'd feel like you've known him your entire life. He's just a lovely, lovely man, and his family's wonderful as well. And that's and the company. The company really does exude that. But at the heart of it, it's an entrepreneurial company. So they got to make sure they have the right people in the right positions to run all these businesses. And, and I think that's where they're successful. I like to equate this thinking of the way uh, to sports. And you think about the New England Patriots, Belichick and Brady. I do too. Yeah. And they they always talked about the Patriot way, although those two don't talk, never talked about it. Right. Uh, They they always, we don't know what you're talking about, but everyone else talked about there's a way of doing business when you're within the, the, the four walls of the Patriot organization. How and what kind of playbook have you put together that might equate to that? Is there a virgin way? Is there a Raul Leal way of doing business? Well, I, I, I think so. There's a different, I don't know if it's a playbook or whatever, although we do talk a lot about, you know, the traits that we think, you know, make us successful. But look, I think uh, uh, a successful leader above all, uh, is someone who is consistent, which is when we, you know when we talk about the Patriots and Tom Brady and those guys, you know they work within a system that, you know, basically uh, you know Brady steps out, somebody else steps in, they kind of take over and play. But I think I think people are looking today for leaders that are, and actually all my life I've worked for leaders who have been terribly inconsistent, and I've actually learned the most from those people on how not to manage people. So I think if anybody were to say anything about me, it would be to say the level of consistency and the way that I deal with people on a daily basis. Uh, I'm very much process improvement oriented. Now you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that based on our various conversations, but during my tenure at Interstate Hotels, I actually, my hotel actually won an award for best qual- total quality management hotel. And I learned a lot back then about quality 
improvement process and how important it is to have the processes in place behind the scenes to be able to execute. And I think that's, that's the key to it, that, you know, we, uh, we overlay the business with something we call the virgin tone of voice. And the virgin tone of voice doesn't mean that you have to speak English accent, as you know, it'd be terrible because I'm Cuban, so that would be awful, right? But right. It, does, it does mean that we have a way of, of virgin speak, and, you know, cheeky, irreverent, our marketing is a little different, but behind the scenes, there's a real machine, there's real systems, there's real standard operating practices, there's things that remain to help you be consistent day to day. But I do think the attitude and the tone is really set by the leader. And if a leader can you know, consistently show that the way they operate benefits their organization and their teammates and is a good listener, um, I think that hopefully some of the things that would be said about my style, I hope. Actually, Richard complimented me um, he gave me a great compliment one time after we opened the hotel in Chicago, you know, he hadn't seen it since we, before we began renovation. And when he walked around and saw all the differentiators, he looked at me and he said, wow, he said, you are a really great listener. This place exceeds my expectations. So I thought that was a great compliment. Absolutely. Uh, talking about kind of definitive dollar issues, because uh, again, want to make sure that uh, it's not just 30,000 foot uh, sure. discussions. Uh, there's a been a hot topic, of, you know, pay for performance. How do you value people? How do you put a dollar value on, for example, this person who was cleaning a room uh, and came to you crying? Uh, how do you go about that process of putting a dollar value on people's contribution within an organization like yours? Well, look, I think in any organization, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we are there to make a profit for the people that have taken the risk, right? The shareholders, the people that have invested money in you and the company and went forth. And, you know, sometimes, uh, Sometimes our teams don't understand that that's money at risk that's being put out. That some shareholders don't want to start out a company just to start it out for the benefit of the people working there. They're investing their money and they're, you know, they want to risk adjusted return. So, you know, from my perspective, I mean, we look at everything really, and I always have from a return on investment perspective, whether it's financial or it's human capital or anything from a, you know, whether it's a new training program that we want to roll out. I mean, what are the, you know, what are the real world KPIs that help us get a return on those training dollars, for example? Look, it could be just a matter of getting a better employee opinion survey that we think will have a positive effect on the NPS score of the hotel, right? But I do think that if you look at everything, including human capital, capital from a return on investment, and, and the fact that, you know, uh, a vibrant culture, in my opinion, that's measured and tracked and people are trained properly does lead to higher levels of profitability. But I do think there's an ROI and everything and that has to be your mentality one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly been, again, a lot of discussion about the haves and the have nots, uh, the split in our country and just politics and everything else. Uh, I mean, COVID certainly is, had an impact on that as well. I mean, who's getting disproportionately affected? How are you dealing with so many people that live paycheck to paycheck that are probably on your payroll or maybe not? I mean, uh, look, gingerly, we are, uh, 
we, we've done a lot. We tried to do as much as we can. I mean, we, we probably, you know, haven't furloughed as many people as everybody else. We certainly have kept, you know, the management teams on at all the hotels. Uh, we haven't reduced, you know, salaries. We've kept the team at home office intact. And that's just the way that Virgin does business. But we do communicate a lot uh, with the people, even the people that are furloughed. So we have one of our processes is something that we rolled out a long time ago. We have an internal employee app called The Beat. And through The Beat, we're able to communicate with people that are either still on the payroll, furloughed or whatever else, keeping them. Uh, we were actually providing training on The Beat for people who are actually furloughed or laid off that they can still access even though they weren't our employees, right? So I think we're always thinking about those people. We're hoping to bring them all back. I mean, some of those people are like family and it breaks our hearts, right? But I do think that uh, you can't be in a silo. I mean, a leader, leaders during this period of time have to step out. They have to keep talking to their teams however they can, especially the people that are laid off and, and you know, you don't see them anymore for a while. And, you know, they're kind of out of sight, out of mind, right? So I think that there has to be a heightened degree of communication now more than ever, because hopefully, look, however you, however you treat your team members now during this time period, that's what you're going to get when they come back. Because I think they're going to remember, you know, the way that you, you treated them during this time period and their families. And, and it could be just communication because a lot of people know that there's not a lot of money out there right now. Yeah. Strategy and in, in planning. I mean, mm-hmm. I hear those words a lot uh, over the years. I've interviewed people. Everyone talks about their strategy. How does that play a role in how you do business, uh, maybe specifically at, at, at Virgin. But this strategy is just a word or is that an integral part of the planning process? Well, I think it is, especially if you want to innovate, right? Other, if you don't have a, a planned strategy, and I mean, you can't, you can't have a bunch of planned strategies, but if you don't have at least a few mainstream strategies with some plans related to those that you're measuring and tracking towards a goal, then you're running, you're running an ad hoc business and you're certainly not going to get anywhere. So from our perspective, innovation is really at the heart of our strategic, you know, planning. Um, A great example is look, we had started some innovations to our app and we had a six month plan, a strategic plan that we put together internally that we worked through and we relaunched the app again in uh, in September. That was a big leap for us because as a small company, you know, we certainly don't have the resources of a Marriott or a Hilton to do what we're doing with that app, but it took us, you know, six months of internal planning, communication, following up, uh, you know, measuring and tracking the information, doing the consumer rollouts before we even. So that's just one example, but I think in an organization, there always have, has to be some strategic initiatives that are being planned by the leader and holding other people accountable in their departments and making sure that you have an, uh, you know, that you're starting with the end result in mind. But uh, Virgin's a pretty strategic organization and, and you know, we, we follow suit, but um, it, it's easy to get caught up in too many plans and actions. You know, so when you're, talking about, when you're talking about being strategic, be strategic, focus on one or two things at a time, in my opinion, that you are really actually going to get done. You know, the, the hotels submit to us, you know, some quarterly plans and actions because business plans change today. And I'm always saying to them, look, bring these down by 25 or 30 percent. 
let's just put in front of us the things that we can actually get done. And, and you know, we do one great thing a year, then we've accomplished a lot. There's big talk, especially during COVID, about the ability to adapt, be flexible. I, again, hear those words a lot, too. Uh, how, how are you guys adapting uh, and how is, have you been flexible with your business model, whatever it might be? Well, you know, we were uh, learning under fire, right? I mean, really, you know, we had to we had to jump right into it. I think, uh, you know, when this first happened, one of the first statements that I made to our team was, look, uh, I understand what's going on around us, but uh, and we're not going to be together. But this is not going to this is not going to slow us down. And, and there's some things that we're going to have to do different. So I think it it's all about, again, the attitude of the, of the people in charge. But, you know, I'll give you a very specific example. We, we opened the hotel in Nashville in, in, in June, wonderful place, or I mean, July is just a beautiful place. Um, you know, typically hotels have six months of pre-marketing and pre-opening and one fourth. And, um, you know, we did it in three weeks because that's the only thing that we could do. We couldn't get an opening day from the construction crews because of COVID. Things were changing dramatically every single day. We didn't know when some areas were opening up. We didn't have an opening day for clients. So the, the, the team actually through, through, through a process improvement flowchart, actually put together a study that showed here's how we can open this hotel in three or four weeks. So that's, that's one way that we adapted. Now, what does that do for us for the future? Now we're looking at everything and saying, okay, we were able to do it successfully. And I know there's some things that were missed probably, but how does that, how do we take a look at our pre-opening strategies for the future? So if anything else, I think this period of time has helped us evaluate uh, systems, uh, staffing guides, uh, standard operating procedures and said, you know, maybe there's a way here to trim the fat in the future to make the hotels more efficient and still deliver the consumer experience that we want. Yeah. How do you view competitors? What do you get from them or not get from them? Are they just people that you're supposed to pummel? <laughs> well, that's the way I think about it. I, uh, <laughs> I believe it. You know, I, I believe it. What, what did Vince Lombardi say, uh, you know, about winning is it the only thing? It's everything, right? I'm a, I'm a fierce competitor. I, uh, you know, I always have been, but I think that's, that's, I was raised by some mentors that way. So I think that I love the industry and I actually, you know, love all our peers and whatever else. But when it's business, it's business. So, uh, I mean, we're looking at anything tactical that can help us overcome an advantage, whether it's a, it's a teammate employee, a marketing, a marketing uh, teammate um, strategy or marketing strategy or what forth, but we're looking at the details. I think, I really think the devil's at the details. We're, we're talking to their consumers. We're talking to their employees if we can. We're following their social media. We're looking at their marketing and what they're doing. We're staying in their hotels. So we're actively looking at all our competitors all the time and saying, how could we do better? So uh, I'm, I'm a competitor and, you know, and I hate to lose. So, uh, you know, for me, attaining 100% market share is like, you know, whatever, not good enough if we're just good enough, right? So uh, mm -hmm. I think we're looking at all the metrics that we need to look at all the time as a team to make sure that we can, you know, do better than our competitive set. But that's just in my blood. Yeah. Final question. Sure. Uh, back to uh, our Brady Belichick discussion. Yep. Uh, most people would call them a dynasty, whatever that means. But certainly, 
uh, it means quality and, and winning over an extended period of time. Yeah. Uh, how are you guys building a dynasty at Virgin or how do you look at having success over an extended period of time? How's that possible? Well, I think you start with, you know, first of all, you know, companies today do have to have a purpose and people need to feel that they're working with a company that aligns with their values and their purposes. So, you know, if you look back at some of the great companies in history and you do some research, some companies that have been around for a long, long time, maybe like the Hewlett Packers of the world, you know, Mm -hmm. they've had, you know, maybe eight CEOs at this point since they launched that company. They're still a world-class company. And there's so many companies like that that have been around for a long time and have continued excellence. And so what's the key, right? Right. The key key is is that it shouldn't be up to one charismatic CEO or or charismatic operations person. The, The key is in the beliefs and the purpose of the organization and how that aligns with those teams and how you stay with that during good and bad times. You know, when, when times are good, it's easy. You know, when you have a, you know, whatever your purpose is, is to support your purpose. But, you know, the companies that are going to come out of this better during this time period is the people that said, these are our beliefs. These are, this is our value system, first and foremost. And, and we're going to carry these into the war. And that's going to make the company sustainable, you know, for a long, long time. But you can't, I don't think you can deviate from your values, you know, especially when things go wrong. And I think the way to sustainable, you know, excellence in business and in sports is to support your purpose and beliefs. Appreciate the the comments and the time. As always, you're taking a few minutes out of your busy schedule. Thanks for listening to Dollars and Drivers. Until next time.